0: Welcome back to the show, everyone. My name is Amber Furman, and this is episode 10 of the More Than Corporate Podcast. Today on the show, I'm interviewing Dana Earhart, and this was a really fun interview for us to do. Dana Earhart is a small business consultant. That means that business owners hire Dana Earhart when they're ready to add multiple six figures to their bottom line by streamlining and simplifying with systems, structures, and strategies. She helps business owners provide a roadmap of priorities, improve efficiency, and the ability to grow revenues without jeopardizing the quality of life or services delivered, One of my favorite things about Dana's mission is that she truly believes that business growth should not mean less time doing what you love with those that you love outside of the office. She shows her business owners how to grow her business and increase the time that's spent doing what they love at the same time. I'm super excited for you guys to hear what she has to say, so let's go ahead and jump into the interview. Dana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it.
1: I'm excited to be here. I love love what you're doing and excited to be part of it.
0: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you. So for those that don't know, I have known Dana for a little bit. Um, She has gotten some of my craziest moments, I think, during our breakfast um, meetings. So we tend to have some great conversations and I'm excited to share those with you guys. Um, So Dana, what I'd like to do is have you just go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: Great, absolutely. Uh, my name is Dana Heart. I'm with Dana Heart Consulting. Well, I started my own business about six years ago. Prior to that, I spent uh, two decades in corporate consulting and nonprofit consulting. Uh, so I've led anywhere from you know a team of one and built that to a team of ten and a seven-figure business. Um, I've also led a team of a hundred employees across the United States and in London. Um, have had extensive uh, leadership operations, project management, um, strategic planning experience, um, and ultimately there was a, a few different chain of events that happened that uh, propelled me into uh, the arena of personal growth uh, and development. And that really, I think, changed uh, the trajectory of my life uh, about 18 years ago. So uh, it's been an awesome journey.
0: That's amazing. So tell me a little bit about what it was like growing up for you. And I, I, what I found is that everybody that I talk to who has gone out and done their own thing um, like you're doing, throughout some time growing up, there were influences that led them to believe that that was going to be a good path for them. So talk to me about growing up and who influenced you as you were um, being kind of imprinted, I guess, for lack of a better word.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Great question. And, you know, I would say that uh, growing up, I don't know that I had my eye on entrepreneurship, uh, which is interesting. I was very much focused on being the strong, independent female executive. I was going to climb the corporate ladder. Uh, I was going to make a damn good living. (laughs) I was going to be a powerhouse. And, well, you know, the husband and the kids, that was just going to happen. Um, And so certainly uh, my parents were big influences in the business industry. My dad uh, spent years working for the F.W. Woolworth, uh, took himself from 19-year-old stock boy in Clarenda, Iowa, all the way up to one of the top executives in Manhattan working in the Woolworth building uh, for over 10 years. And so certainly my mom uh, worked for a number of companies um, and doing extensive bookkeeping and accounting work. So I definitely had the business background there. Uh, but it was you, probably in my teenage years, there were some things that happened in life. Uh, when I was a sophomore in high school is when my dad got transferred from Chicago to Manhattan. So you can imagine that any teenager, uh, sophomore year in high school, facing a huge move after being in one town from kindergarten through freshman year in high school to all of a sudden you know, be taken multiple states uh, over into a whole new world. Um, I think that's really when I started adopting some philosophies on, A, I was going to never need anyone else in my life. I was going to be self-reliant and anybody else would be an enhancement in my life. Um, And, you know, that's also when I really got clear that um, I wanted to be climbing the corporate ladder and just be that strong, independent, female powerhouse. Um, And then I went on, I was very successful in my 20s um, I probably had six or seven promotions in three different companies things were going very well I've made my first six figures um, was leading you know the team of a hundred in my 20s um, and then three things happened and those three things were 9-11 and I literally had uh, flown out to Manhattan on September 9th I had spent September 9th, and September wow. 9th in Manhattan Um, and I was boarding a plane the morning of the 11th and, um, I'll get goosebumps every time I talk about that. Uh, and I will never forget that moment when my dad called me, you know, in a panic telling me what was happening because literally I was the last person boarding this flight and they had not shut down the flight yet. So did did you get stuck in,
0: did you get stuck in Manhattan?
1: No, I was actually I had gotten one of the last flights out of JFK on the 10th. I had missed my connection. So I was actually in Denver, Colorado, um, uh-huh. trying to get home to Henderson, Nevada. Um, so that happened a couple months later. I turned 30. And a few months after that, I was in a cardiologist office with chest pains. Oh um, no. at the age of 30. And so thank God it was not my heart, it was stress, it was anxiety. Because I had been so focused on being that strong, independent powerhouse, um, I had developed some bad habits, (laughs) like not knowing how to let things roll off my shoulders. (laughs) And so I just held all of that in me. Um, I also realized that, wow, you know, I do want to have a family. I do want to get married. Um, But I have no idea who the heck Dana is outside of the office.
0: You know, it's so crazy listening. And I want I to touch on a couple of things that you said, but as you're telling your story, I feel like I'm looking in a mirror. Like I, The things that you're saying is everything about the reason that this podcast was created. And um, I think it happens to way more people than number one, have the tools to acknowledge that it's going on, mm-hmm. or number two, know how to deal with it. And so they just keep driving on every single day because they don't know what other options are available to them. Absolutely. Um, you talked a little bit about um, in your initial introduction, working internationally. And I'm just interested to know from a business standpoint, um, what some of the challenges were with Working with international, um, the differences in culture, the distance, the management of individuals. Like, how did you handle that and how did that contribute to your desire to leave the corporate world?
1: Great question. Um, You know, I viewed it as a phenomenal opportunity um, to literally be handed um, this client that had been in existence for a couple of years. Uh, They were we were in our last year of servicing a multi-year contract for them we had two of our employees actually stationed in London and They were ultimately campaign directors for this university running a fundraising program um, in London uh, for Middlesex University so two of the team were our employees and then they oversaw a team of individuals who were employees of the university, so it was a very interesting dynamic. Um, certainly, technology is amazing. Uh, this was before we did a lot of video conferencing. Uh, we did some, but it was certainly you know more phone calls, email, um, a lot of correspondence uh, throughout the week in that regard. And then um, there was obviously several trips over to London to work with them directly, and. You know, fascinating um, and and fortunate that I don't think there was a lot of differences in culture in London um, as it is here. So there wasn't a a huge cultural difference. Um, It was more just the dynamics of, you know, really building a relationship with my team and my team's team when you're that far apart. Um, It was fascinating, though, to realize the impact you can have on somebody's life. And for that matter, I would say even I had team members across the United States who I was not seeing physically face to face on a regular basis. So you learn how to develop those relationships in other ways, you know, through the emails, through not just checking in with them professionally, but checking in with them personally, Um, especially when some of these team members literally relocated to be with our clients. It's also a matter of checking in with them to see how well they're adjusting personally. Uh, Because while, and I will say that this is one of the most fascinating things as I look back, when I think of my grooming in the corporate culture is that whether it was intentionally taught to me or it's just how I received it, I do not know, (laughs) I will be transparent, Um, but I felt like I was groomed that you keep your personal life personal, and when you walk into those doors, you leave your personal life out there and you focus on business and business only.
0: Isn't that so frustrating? And I feel like that's so much of, of everything that yes. the, your personal life doesn't have a place in the workplace. But one of the most important things that was ever said to me is that your personal drives your professional and your professional affects your personal. You Absolutely. cannot keep them separate. They are parts of you.
1: Absolutely. expected to. Absolutely. And I I don't think i fully grasped that until I launched my own business because then it's just, it's in your face every day that what's happening personally is affecting you in business and what is or isn't happening in business as you're launching absolutely is affecting how you're showing up in your personal life. And the truth is we are one person. So naturally it's going to be intertwined. And in any business, it's about relationship. It's, you know, the bottom line is people do business with people they know, like, and trust. So isn't that about knowing the person behind the business, which means you do intermingle personal and professional, obviously with boundaries, with appropriateness, you know, and all of that. And I'll just say appropriateness for what's appropriate for you, because there's certainly plenty of relationships that work in business. (laughs)
0: yeah I mean it's so crazy when you were talking about um, having to find other ways to impact someone and to connect with them I think especially now in this society and maybe maybe a little bit of the past generation we had this idea that if you were in the same room with somebody and you were face to face that you were connecting with them right. and I have relationships with people that I've never met in person that I have interacted with in an electronic format that I would trust my deepest secrets to, that I wouldn't trust somebody that I spend every day with in the same room. And those skills to be able to build that relationship with somebody and know how to carry that on to the people that you are working with face-to-face is something that I think is lacking in what we're doing now and moving forward in the social world.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, you know, I think When you build those strong relationships, business improves. And there's more loyalty that's created. There's more referrals that are created. There's more forging new territory because you actually trust the person you're working
0: with. 100%. I mean, how many times have we talked um, to individuals about what can I offer you that somebody else in my profession can't and 99 times out of a hundred, the answer is nothing but comfort, right? But comfort and they trust that you're the best person to help them, especially when it comes to, you know, in my field, in the legal field. And um, I would venture to say in your field a little bit as well, a lot as well. Trusting the person that you're working with is the number one, most important thing, because if you don't trust them, you're not going to be open with them and you're not going to get the results that you need.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I don't even know that I shared what I actually do now. <laughs> Go ahead and tell everybody
0: about that, and then we'll get back into your conversation.
1: Okay. Um, and just to, to your point, you know, I'm a business coach, a business strategist, and also, um, you know, what I don't necessarily promote out there often is that I'm a mindset mentor, um, which means really tapping into what's happening with an individual below the surface. Because I know that your business success will only go as so far as the level that you've grown yourself as the individual. And so you're absolutely right. If you come to a call or to a meeting with me and you're just telling me what's on the surface, you're telling me what you think I want to hear. Why are we even in business? Why are you investing in me? Because it's really about let's get let's go deep. Let's get to the heart of the challenges or the celebrations. Um, but let's peel back those layers so that you can actually be achieving the results you're after. And sometimes, you know, it, it may not be comfortable. But what I know to be true is the, that no growth happens when you're in your comfort zone.
0: 100%. And I think I'm going to amend what you just said and said, it's not going to be comfortable. Like it, there's no <laughs> chance that this is going to be fun. I don't remember who I was talking to. It was in a casual conversation with a friend of mine recently, and we were talking about exactly this. And she said to me, she said, if you're not willing to go deep and figure out what the problem is, it's like putting a band aid on a broken bone and hoping that
1: it heals right. Absolutely. It's crazy. Absolutely. I,
0: um, so you work with businesses, you work with, um, mainly small businesses.
1: Is that who you work with the most? Primarily it's really the individual at whether they are a solopreneur up to a team of 15, uh, which means they can be anywhere from their first six figures up to three quarters of a million striving to hit that first seven figures. So it's really taking somebody from the low six figures to the high six figures.
0: Perfect. And if you're working with a team of people, um, are you, do you, do you have services to work with that entire team? Because obviously the business owner can't make the changes they need in their business. If their team isn't also on the same wavelength.
1: Absolutely. And I can, and do some team trainings. However, what I want to do in that case is really be working with the leader and empower that leader to lead their team. Because what I know, um, does not work um, from experience in the corporate consulting arena is when you're an outsider sent in to start directing a team, yeah. but then you leave and you're not actually part of the team, there can be a real disconnect. And, um, you know, I'm a firm believer that a team is only going to be as strong as its weakest link. And I don't want to be forging a weak, weak, weak link. <laughs> I want to make sure that I am forging and empowering that leader to strengthen all of their links.
0: 100%. And I think that when you do that and you go into a place and you start talking about all the ways they need to change, human nature is to bond over who the hell is this person that's coming in telling me that I'm doing everything wrong. So you may create a stronger bond in them, but it's only because they're complaining about you. Right. <laughs>
1: That is true. And that is usually not a bond that gets the end result that the team is looking for, or certainly not that the leader is looking for.
0: 100%. So I want to take you back a little bit because there's something that you said that um, just kind of like tugged at me and said, this is your life. Um, And it's when you said that when you were growing up, you had your eye on being a huge female executive and you were going to be powerful and you were going to be successful and nothing was going to get in your way. Um, I've talked a little bit about the fact that I felt the same way. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew that college education was a part of it. And I knew that there was going to be a career involved somewhere. And that was the only thing that really mattered. So I'm interested to know in your journey, how being that laser focused affected your, um, your identity and, Led to um, what eventually, years down the road, caused you to take the path that you're on now.
1: Great question, um, and this is where you know I'm. I will share very humbly um, some some of the hard lessons I learned that were the most impactful, um, and it's really through some of these lessons um, that I learned more about who I didn't want to be. And that put me on the path of who I do want to be. And what I mean by that is in my 20s, I had some phenomenal mentors. I was given incredible opportunities. I graduated college at the age of 21. So I went on to work for a company six weeks in New Jersey. And then I was sent out on my first assignment. I spent six months in Albany, New York with the University of Albany. Then I was transferred out to um, I spent a year in Minnesota at the Minneapolis Institute of Arts and then the University of St. Thomas, which is in St. Paul, Minnesota. So at t- literally 21 and 22 years old. I was already managing a team of 30 to 40 individuals and their age ranges were from college age up to, you know, one of the, one of the first people I had to terminate was a 76 year old woman. It oh, no. <laughs> was like my grandparents. Uh, but one of the best pieces of advice I got in that moment was, you know, Dana, you are not firing this person. Their actions got them this result, first of all. So don't own their actions, allow them to own their actions. And secondly, now that you know that this individual is not living up to expectations, and you're their leader, if you do not act accordingly, you are not doing your job. And they really shared that not in a harsh way. It was in a mentoring way of me understanding what leadership really means. And it means doing the tough stuff sometimes. Right, um, right. But through that process, I will say, while I had great mentors, I also was a perfectionist and I was a fast learner and I expected everyone else to do the same. And so what that resulted in, when I look back at my twenties, I feel like I was totally the micromanager. (laughs) I was not the leader. I feel like I didn't really know about leadership in my 20s. I didn't start to learn about it until my 30s. True, authentic, empowering leadership. And, you know, it was interesting. I got, it was, I think I was at a happy hour, some type of business social. And someone at my level over another department gave me a very interesting compliment in a twisted way. And he said as much, he said, Dana, you were one of the toughest one, toughest teams to work with, but you're the one I learned the most from. In that moment where I was in that space, I took that compliment as, well, great. You learned the most from me. (laughs) And I just shoved it off (laughs) and I (laughs) moved forward like, okay, I was tough to work with. Well, I got the job done, so all's good. And I like to say that thank God I made it to my 40s where I realized that it didn't have to be one or the other. You didn't have to enjoy working with me or learn a lot, that it actually could be both. And that's what true leadership is all about. Um, and so I will say that, you know, that was my 20s. And I already talked about, you know, what happened that led me to that question of who the heck is Dana outside of the office, right. um, which is a humbling experience. And I got introduced to a company called PSI Seminars, Personal Growth and Development. And I just, I dove in for the first weekend and I was so Incredibly impacted by those four days, that I turned around and invested in the next four levels uh, of leadership courses that they offered. And over the next 18 months, I did all four of those levels. And it was life changing. And if I, you know, to summarize all of that into one sentence, um, would be that's where I learned that you can be a victim or you can be a victor, and the choice is yours every single hour of every single day. And that ultimately your choices, your actions, your thoughts, your behaviors are what will create the results in your life. And you're going to create those results regardless. So why not actually be intentional on striving to create the results you wanted? That's um, so
0: amazing. I love that so much. Um, we've, I think what you went through, if I remember right from our conversations, was NLP-based. Is that right?
1: No, it was not actually. Really? Um, It was a classroom, and then um, one of the weeks was life success courses. So, some high and low ropes uh, for a week up at a ranch in Northern California. Then there was a nine day women's leadership seminar where I was up there with another 100 women on a ranch for nine days. That was interesting. (laughs) With all different types of exercises and activities to just really learn more about yourself, learn about your leadership style you know to get comfortable getting uncomfortable um even receiving feedback that may not feel good in the moment but you know somebody's heart and you know that they're coming to you for the greater good and on the flip side it was also that opportunity to be giving very honest feedback and sometimes it's not always comfortable giving honest feedback um especially if you have a program which i did for years and i still probably uh Fight with it a little bit, and that is to be liked. You know, don't we all want to be liked? And it's a matter of, you know, really knowing who you are, though, and what you want, and letting that lead you as opposed to wanting to be liked.
0: Well, and and I think identifying who you want to be liked by, right? Because I know I went through that for a long time that I wanted everybody to like me, and then you look at some people and you're like, you know, I don't know that I actually do want you to like me, (laughs) I appreciate you and what you're doing with your life, but we're on different paths and we have different opinions and that's completely okay. Um, who was it that I was, it was Brene Brown that I was listening to where she says that there is a difference between listening to other people's opinions and allowing them to Um, And knowing that they're there and being defined by them. And that was huge for me. Like, listen to them, understand that you have people who disagree with you for one reason or another, decide whether there's something that might be right about what they're saying or not, and then move on and take what you want to take from it and don't be defined by their feedback. And that's the hardest thing to do. We talk about it and make it sound so easy in this conversation, but it is one of the hardest things that you will ever do in your life.
1: Absolutely. And yet I will say the more and more um, I grow in my business and grow in helping others grow, I realize the power of detachment. That you can see you know, what someone wants. You, I can be committed to creating the life I want. And I know the steps to take to create that life. And then I need to be detached from exactly how it's going to happen. And trust that as long as every single day I'm taking an action to move myself forward, trust that the path will lead there and not be attached to how I'm going to get there. Um, and that has taken me years <laughs> to, to really fully grasp.
0: Yeah. And and what do you do to check that? Because I'm, I could be wrong, but if I'm looking from my from my personal experiences, as much as I know that that's the, tr- the, the way it needs to be done, I find myself falling back into old habits and I have to check myself to make sure that I'm actually doing what serves me and what's in my best interest. So how do you check in with yourself to make sure that your boat's still going in the right direction?
1: Great, great question. I think a lot of it is um, being attuned to my own energy. And when I start feeling frustrated, angry, um, you know, wishing something was happening faster, questioning why it's not, those are all signals that I'm attached to how and when, as opposed to taking the action. You know, I've often heard, you know, one of the first steps to getting out of the feeling of overwhelm is to simply move into action. Because if you're focused on an action, there's not time to be overwhelmed. And I think the same is with Frustrated, stressed, angry, um, all of that. And it's really apparent when you're doing sales. You know, you can fully be there. You can be listening to the other person to understand what their challenge is, what their pain points are. And of course, you're determining whether or not the solution you offer will actually bridge that gap for them. Will it take them from their pain to their pleasure? Um, And it's knowing then if you are a good fit, I may know it's a good fit. And I know that I will bring value. And then I detach myself from their action. Yes, you know, I need clients to grow my business. It doesn't have to be this one person. And as long as I've built up my pipeline, and I'm not putting all my eggs into one basket, which would mean I'd have to be attached to that outcome. It's a lot easier to actually keep moving forward doing what you know you're supposed to be doing, than hide behind The lack of activity.
0: For sure. So I um, do not believe that there is a single point in a person's life where they automatically change. However, I can identify in my life a pre-2016 amber and a post-2016 amber. And I can identify the moment that I decided to start to change. Um, And I'm wondering if you have a, a event in your life that said, okay, this is, this is my rock bottom, I guess, for lack of a better word. And if I don't change things now, something's got to give.
1: Wow. Um, I, I feel, and you know a lot about my personal story this last decade. Uh, but even before that, I think, um, what happened in around those three events between 9-11 turning 30 in the cardiologist office that was definitely well that was one milestone before that i will say it was when i was 14 and my family moved from chicago to uh pennsylvania that was a huge um milestone in my life that i often go back to of pre and post dana then you know around 30 there was the pre and post Dana when I got introduced to the whole world of personal growth and development and really taking personal responsibility. Um, most recently um, is after a, you know, a two year separation uh, with my husband to move forward with a divorce. So literally as I sit here today, in the last uh, nine weeks, 10 weeks, um, I have moved Um, And I have gotten divorced and my business is having incredible success right now. And so I absolutely believe that while it was an incredibly hard decision to let go of it, of um, everything that had transpired over the last decade, I also have really come to realize how much I had lost, allowed myself to lose myself the last 10 years. Um, And that, again, that doesn't just impact me personally, that was absolutely impacting me professionally as well. So I kind of feel like I'm in that season of, I was the caterpillar and uh, I had the cocoon trying to weather the storm. um, And now I'm finally shedding uh, the layers of that cocoon to just get reacquainted with who Dana is and reacquainted with who I'm becoming.
0: Uh, exactly. You know, I love what you just said so much. And the thing that I love the most about it is you just pointed out three different events at different times of your life. And it shows us that there's a pre and post, but there's multiple of those. We are always growing as individuals. And so there's a pre and post, but then that person that you are, you're going to become something different. And we have to be malleable enough to allow ourselves to change. Absolutely. I know I wasn't for a long time. And that leads me into my next question because (laughs) I had, um, (laughs) I won't use the word breakdown. Um, (laughs) I had struggles when I started trying to figure out who I was and separating my identity from being an attorney. And I'm interested to know what you went through when you started to realize that your entire identity was tied to a corporate and how you allowed yourself to let that go and become who you are now.
1: Well, I will say that it really, I think, evolved over the, if we look at, you know, it was 2001, 2002, we're in 2019 now. So we're talking about 17 year period. Um, As I went through uh, those five levels of leadership courses, and then I actually went back on to three of them as a volunteer, and I spent two two more weeks uh, up at the ranch um, as a volunteer with other individuals going through the process. Um, it definitely kind of threw me into this. Okay. I do want to find a husband. So, you know, that was the whole personal side of, you know, the online dating and all of that. (laughs) Um, and then professionally it was, I started asking myself, what do I want to be when I grow up? And I dabbled for about a year and a half. I was a real estate agent. They said I did phenomenal. I closed 10 deals in my first 12 months. Um, only one I wasn't really fulfilled doing that. I did like be helping somebody buy a new home. I didn't really get anything out of selling a home. I also didn't want to be available 24 seven. And I kind of felt like in that industry, you needed to in the beginning. Um, but more importantly, it was half the salary I left. So while the you know, real estate leaders could say I did good, it wasn't filling my bank <laughs> like right. the cor- corporate side did. So I went back into corporate for a while, um, and then it was actually, I got married at 38, had my son at 39 and it was during that time frame that, you know, I realized, okay, I'm 39. I'm a new mom. I don't want to be traveling two to three weeks every single month to go see clients. I didn't wait this long to have a family. I want to be at home. So that means I need to find a way to create a professional path for myself that fulfills me that replaces my corporate income and allows me more flexibility to actually not just be home at night to put him to bed but you know as when he started school to be able to pick him up from school a couple days a week to be there for the sporting events Um, he's going into second grade now and I'm you know I'm so proud to say that that's what I get to do that's you amazing. know, I get to set my hours so that one or two days a week, if I want to be there at three o'clock to meet them on the playground, I can. Um, yes, I still do some travel, but it's, you know, I might travel 10 times a year. Um, and so uh, it, it really works out. You know, there was a brief moment when I was pregnant that I, I did ask myself, you know, Ooh, can I be a stay-at-home mom? Can I, <laughs> can I do this? It wasn't even a question of can we do it financially at the time. It was can I do this? And for a split second, I thought, yes, you know, oh, I'll learn how to cook, I'll be demented, all this stuff. And yeah, I quickly realized that is not for me and I am a better mom. <laughs> My son is better off to have me as a working mom in her own business who is fulfilled professionally and allows me to feel more whole so that I'm an even better mom. Oh my gosh.
0: I love that so much. Can you expand on why you think that is?
1: Well, I think, uh, you know, as much as I babysat my life away as a teenager, um, I think life evolves and, um, I love what I do because I know that while people come to me for business coaching and they will receive, you know, uh, business coaching, they will achieve the results they want in their business of growing that revenue, of doubling and tripling their revenue in some cases. Um, I also know that by doing that, I'm actually allowing them to live a more fulfilled life. Because one thing I really focus on is making sure that I'm not just helping them grow professionally, I'm also helping them grow as a woman, as a man, as a mom, a dad, a brother, sister, parent, um, and literally I have assessments where I can be checking in to make sure that their happiness level and their fulfillment level is also increasing, not just the bottom line. Um, I love it. And so that makes it really easy. I know that I'm not only impacting my family and also reminding my son that there are no limitations, that the only limitations he will live with are the ones that he puts on himself. And then I love that so much.
0: So much, I feel like when we were raised, um, especially um, my generation and the generation before, it was the factory generation you know the you don't whether you're happy at work is irrelevant. You go to work, you make money, you support your family, and you, you know you find happiness somewhere else but um, and and the way that we're raised and what we see growing up becomes our reality until we're ready to change that and so to have a child that's raised in the Um, mentality of there are no limitations and don't sacrifice your happiness because you don't have to is enormous.
1: Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's something I often look back like, oh my gosh, how would my life be different if I was exposed to some of what I got exposed to in my 30s and even now in my 40s, if I had gotten that as a teenager? And you know, there's no sense really in dwelling on that. However, it definitely begs the question of how can we start incorporating that for our children now so that the next several generations uh, don't have to wait as long as we did to have access to these tools um, because I really believe it's life-changing.
0: I, I agree with you as well. I think it is. Um, I want to touch on something that you said where you said that you... Learned who you didn't want to be, and that helped you know who you did want to be. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Absolutely, and that really just I think that was stems around being that micromanager and expecting that the only way and the best way to get something done is my way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I've certainly learned to be a little more open minded by that. Uh, but it's you know, I always think of the the Seinfeld episode with the uh, the soup Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if you've seen that. And I have. As, I, as I look back um, and reflect on my own lack of leadership in my 20s and really look at my management style, that's how I kind of feel. And yes, I built relationships, but I also see where I was hard to work for um, because of the expectations and demands that I put on my team. And because I didn't have a family and I was willing to work you know, 10, 12-hour days, I was willing to come in on the weekends to get caught up, um, that was my life. Yes, I still had a social life, but I built my social life around my business life. Right. <laughs> Where unlike what I do and teach my clients now is, no, you have a life and you build a business that supports that life. Um, I love that. that is absolutely possible. So I think it's more through my own evolution as I look back at how I was showing up and who I was showing up as in my twenties. Um, there are definitely aspects of that person that I don't want to be. I don't want to be the person that was so driven and so focused on business. She forgot to build relationships with her team, uh, because that can make all the difference.
0: You know, I used to say before I ended up Um, having my five-day panic attack and going to therapy and changing my life or starting to change my life. It's a journey as we know. Um, I used to say to people, God bless my staff because I'm hard to work for and I'm glad they put up with me. And I just accepted that that's the way that it was. And it wasn't until I started on this journey that I realized that the reason that I was acting that way was because I was compensating for what I was missing in my personal life. And as I started to build. Or rebuild my relationship with myself, yes. the attitude and the issues that I had at work started to ease because I was no longer trying to fulfill something at work that I wasn't getting internally.
1: Absolutely. And it, it sounds silly until you really get it, that if you don't like yourself, you're not going to like anyone else. If you can't love yourself, you're not really truly going to be able to love someone else if you cannot, you know, empower yourself, if you cannot lead yourself, how in the world are you going to do that for somebody else? Right. Um, and it really all starts with how you view yourself and what you think is possible. Because when you start opening up to what's possible, you can also open up to see what's possible for other people.
0: Yeah, it's amazing, and it's one of those things that it sounds so cliche to say that you can't really describe it, you just have to feel it, but it's one of those things that you just don't know until you go through it. You don't know that that's the way life can be.
1: Absolutely. I've been doing a lot of work uh, with my own mentor on that it's possible to grow an incredibly successful business with grace and ease. That it doesn't, for me, and I realized in a recent conversation uh, with a client um, that she did not have the same um, interpretation of grind and hustle that I do. When I hear grind, when I hear hustle, to me, it's negative. It's like this tense, intense energy where you're like the bulldozer. (laughs) You're just, you know, that's the grace and hustle, or that's the grind and the hustle. Um, and you know, because unfortunately I have been to a cardiologist two other times since my thirties, uh, because of life events. And in both cases, I can see where I stopped doing and taking care of myself with the daily rituals that serve me. Um, and so I was really now in a season of being intentional to how do I grow my business without bringing back those old bad habits? And I love the idea of being able to build a successful business with grace and ease. And so we've really been working on that. And it's amazing. And it is a shift. It is a shift in my thoughts. It's a shift in my feelings. And it's really about trusting that it's possible. Um, And again, it sounds cliche-ish. And I don't even know how to explain it until you're there, other than to just trust that it's possible.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I don't know about you, but is there ever a point where you look back and you're like, man, how did I let myself live like that? Like knowing that this can happen, how did I let myself live like that?
1: Absolutely. And I also know that some, you know, if I did not experience the challenges I have, I would not have learned the lessons to the extent that I have either. So it's also a matter of really trusting that everything is exactly as it should be in this moment and glean what you can from your experiences, learn the lessons that are available, and then move yourself forward.
0: I love it. So we've talked about um, kind of a lot throughout this um, conversation in this episode, but I wanted to ask you a couple of specific questions. Um, first, I know it's changed throughout your life, but as of right now, how do you define success and what does that mean to you?
1: Great. Uh, Right now, I would say success is and starts with me feeling good about who I am, about how I show up on a daily basis for myself, for my son, for my clients. It is about, you know, being able to live the lifestyle that I want, which means, you know, two weeks ago, I took myself on a 4 day long weekend uh, to the beach and had a fabulous time so much so that I just booked another weekend there this weekend and I'll be heading there on Saturday.
0: Yeah um, I was really jealous of your pictures <laughs> so keep them to yourself
1: this time. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> no I'll live
0: vicariously through you.
1: And then I you know I'm taking DJ to Disneyland in September And so it's just making sure that I am really intentional on creating those memories with my son and as intentional as I am in really supporting my clients in achieving their goals and knowing that as I'm doing that, I'm achieving my goals as well.
0: I love it. So you talked about comfort zones and I share your belief that nothing worth having comes from your comfort zone, that everything comes from getting out of it. I also believe that it's not all just about getting out of your comfort zone in a particular area, anywhere that you're willing to push yourself out of your comfort zone, fitness, your personal life, your business life, that that impacts your life beyond what you realize at the time. So I'm interested to know if there's a specific instance that you can point to where you pushed yourself out of your comfort zone and you actually learned lessons from that that have impacted your life
1: today. All right, Um, yes, there's definitely been different occasions. Uh, Back in 2006, maybe, um, I set out to do the three-day 60-mile walk for Susan G. Komen. Wow. uh, Which means the first day you walk 22 miles, which is, you know, almost a marathon. The second day you do 20 miles. The third day you do 18 for a total of 60 miles, and you sleep in a two-person tent in a high school football field on the two days that you are out there doing the trek. Wow! And so I trained for a number of months. I exceeded my financial goal, which given I was a fundraiser, (laughs) that was a good thing. Um, I trained for it. I really thought I was doing everything that I had been instructed to do in my training. And uh, the experience certainly did not go the way I thought it would. Long story short, I made it all 22 miles the first day, um, slept in the tent the second day, And uh, woke up with feeling really congested with allergies and uh, wasn't thinking. And I proceeded to take a Sudafed. Um, (laughs) Mind you, I was doing this three-day walk in Phoenix in October when it was seasonably warm. Um, And so I made it a good, uh, I think, 14 miles the second day uh, before I finally, and it was incredibly humbling. I had one of the worst headaches of my life. Um, and I hopped on the bus, did not finish the day to go back to the camp. Long story short, I ended up in the medical tent, Wow. three bags of IV fluids, and they still couldn't get my blood pressure down. And I was put in an ambulance and taken to the hospital just before dehydration. Everything was fine. Um, but that was incredibly humbling. And I learned a lot from it, you know, super proud of myself that I set out to do it. I certainly had never walked 22 miles in one day before, (laughs) let alone another 14 the next day. Um, But just, you know, humbling to realize that it, for whatever reason, that was the experience I was meant to have. And to be able to take myself forward and celebrate what could be celebrated and learn what could be learned. Um, And one of them was don't take Sudafed (laughs) when there's a chance you might be you know, dehydrated.
0: (laughs) Or having to function, right? I don't know about you, but Sudafed (laughs) just knocks me out. Like I can't even, I can't function.
1: Um, Okay. If if I can add real quick to that, because more recently when I took myself on that four day trip to the beach, one day I realized I had already walked eight miles just back and forth on the beach. That is just my heaven. And I was cloud nine. And so I'm like, Ooh, I, I did eight miles I'm take it <laughs> over 10 miles. So I walked another two miles that night. And then I realized, whoo, it's only, you know, three more miles and I'd be at 13 miles. That's a half marathon. And you know what? Last fall I told my personal trainer, I wanted to train for a half marathon this year and it's already July and I haven't really done much to train for it. I'm not really sure that I want to train to do it to beat a time, but wow, I already did 10 miles. Let me see if I can do 13 miles tomorrow and then I'll have done my half marathon. That's awesome. So not only did I get my 13.1 miles, I actually took it an extra mile. I did 14.1 miles. And in those last two miles, I got an ice cream cone on the pier. I saw the surfers (laughs) out and I saw a gorgeous sunrise or sunset. It was perfect.
0: That's amazing. So um, I want to know if there's anything that you a profession that you're not currently doing that you think would be fun to do?
1: That's a really good question. And I don't know that I have an answer because I love what I do. You know, I truly love what I do and I really would like to just do it on a grander scale to be able to positively influence and impact more people's lives. That's and I and I think I'm still I'm just in the evolution stage to really gain more clarity on exactly what that looks like. If it means continuing to do what I do just on a grander scale um, and having more programs that can serve more people at one point at one time, um, or down the road when my son's older, um, when I'm open to more travel to do more speaking and really to just inspire and motivate others to really take responsibility for their results and to change their paradigm if they're ready for new results. I love it.
0: I love it. So before we end, I want to give you an opportunity to tell people where they can find you because you're an amazing person and I would love for them to be able to contact you on social media if they'd like to. So where are you the most active?
1: Great. (laughs) I love that question and thank you. By far, I am most active on Facebook. And certainly, if you are a business owner, if you're a business leader really looking for insights, for trainings, for tips on how to grow your leadership, how to grow your business, Um, I have a group that is called Growing Sustainable Revenues for Small Business. Um, And literally, that is the name of the group on Facebook. So you can uh, dial into that. Again, growing revenue or growing sustainable revenue for small business. Um, Of course, I have my personal page and my business page as well, both under my name, Dana Earhart. Um, I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram as well. LinkedIn, I've focused on a lot on over the years. Um, Several years ago, I made over six figures from people I had never met in person just through LinkedIn. Uh, I have about 14,000 connections. So if you're looking to uh, find additional connections, I I welcome uh, the connection there as well.
0: That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Every time we talk, whether it's over breakfast or in a setting like this, I feel like I gained something more than when I started that conversation. So thank you so much for always adding value to my life. And um, I would obviously we'll get to continue that, but I'm glad that the audience is going to get to um, see a little bit of that from you as well.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me here. And I completely agree. I love our conversations. It's always insightful, impactful. Um, And it just, you know, what you find on this journey, I think, is more and more, uh, while time is limited, you want to um, hold sacred who you invest time with. Um, and I certainly love our breakfast and love our time together because you, uh, definitely get me thinking and, uh, have me wanting to raise the bar. No pun intended, but how appropriate <laughs> given you're an attorney. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'll leave it on that note.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks again. I really appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.